Welcome those at True Worth and those watching online. Invite everyone to find their Bible. If you have one there in front of you, go to the book of Proverbs. If you'd like a Bible, raise your hand. Uh, They'll walk the aisles, bring one too. If you're a guest, first timer, it's not our way of recognizing you, calling you out. It's just a way to put the scriptures in your hand. So just subtly raise your hand. They'll hand one to you. And we're going to go to Proverbs chapter 13. I would like to, while that's happening, I would like to pray. God, is, we're at the time in worship where we open up your word. And we confess this morning, we do not want to hear the words of a human being, flesh and blood. We want to hear from you. There are some of us here in this room watching online, true worth. We're needing some wisdom, especially in regard to our relationships. So we're asking for you to teach us We're asking for you to instruct us, even correct us, point us to the right path, the path of wisdom, and give us the courage and the faith to act on what we hear you say. In Jesus' name, amen. In the fourth and fifth grade, our family lived in Gatesville, Texas, on the actual campus of the Gatesville State School for Boys. That is a penitentiary, a minimum security prison for juveniles. My father is a chaplain. We traveled every couple of years. And the beauty about this place is we lived on the campus in this self-contained dormitory-like government building. Three families, two families upstairs, one family downstairs. I have three sisters. We all slept in the same bedroom. This is how small this little place was. A lot of closeness and community. Downstairs was a young man my age, so we kind of connected. And we particularly enjoyed when we had the freedom to roam the campus of this penitentiary, this minimum security, and actually connect with some of the young men our age, same age as us, who had earned some freedoms, mow the grass, rake the leaves, pick up trash, different places, And every time we would venture out for one of these activities, his mother would say something like this, and she said it often. Remember, boys, when you go out, be careful, stupid runs, rubs off. Now, we're going to borrow that phrase this morning, kind of flip it for our purposes, change the wording just a little bit. We're going to put it on the screen. Even if you're at True Worth online, I invite you to say it out loud with us. So please say that with me. Ready? Stuff rubs off. If you work at a place where profanity flows like a river, can you expect that profanity might rub off? If you work in a, the financial sector where the only thing matters at the end of the year is the bottom line, the bottom line, that's all that matters, is it possible that greed might rub off. Now, some of you, if you know my wife, my wife is one of the most gentle, loving, kind people. If you've not met her, you're missing a treat. 21 years ago, our oldest son, Justin, played for Burson High School, the only high school in town. And at that time, our rival was Cleburne, our bitter rival. 
And Cleburne had a way of something like I snuck into the stadium, the old the old high school stadium by Kerr Middle School, which was the high school, snuck into the stadium with lawnmowers and mowed Cleburne into the end zone. It was brilliant. <laughs> Painted it black and gold. Needless to say, that did not suit well with the team or the players or the fans. And so that game had a little more animosity and fire to it, might we say. And so the trash talking and the jawing and the shoving sometimes got a little out of hand. And it just unfortunately so happened. The game ended on a call that went Burleson's favor against Cleburne and we win the game. So much was the rancor of that ending that the opposing coach, when our players are walking out to shake hands, says, go to the bus. No shaking hands. Left our guys hanging. The fans on both sides are booing, all this sort of stuff. And in the wisdom of of our schools at that time, the bus for the opposing team was inside the stadium, inside the fence. Some of you know this, next to the the homestead. So the opposing players are walking across the field to get on the bus with our team and our fans going onto the field. And you find this vitriol of shoving and jawing and chest bumping and anger. And their players are trying to get to the bus and they can't get there. And all this stuff. And I look around and I can't find my wife. And she's right in the middle of it. (laughs) And I'm going, whoa. Can frustration and anger and a mob mentality rub off? If you go someplace and you know the end game is going to be drinking, is it possible for over drinking to rub off? Now let's flip this, let's turn this upside down. You come to Sunday morning worship, You're actually in the house. And every single person is singing. Every single person is singing. Pouring their heart out to God. I mean, just praising God, just no inhibition. Is it possible for the spirit of worship to rub off? You go to a 12-step meeting, a recovery group meeting, and there are people there who are standing up and admitting their their recovery issue, their addiction issue, they're admitting their mistakes, and they're talking about the path that they're getting on of committing themselves to a new way of living. Is it possible that courage can rub off for others to do the same? At your place where you work, the woman, the head person, the leader in charge, she's a positive, upbeat, can-do sort of person, shows up at her job every day of the week, all day long going, we got this, we're going to do this. Can a positive, cheerful attitude rub off? You go to your gym three days a week, same time, because you wouldn't work out with the same people. Because, man, they are sold out. They got their, their protein shakes. They got their little book. They're recording all their workouts. I mean, it's intense for 30, 40 minutes. 40, I mean, just intense. Can, can healthy workout habits rub off? You wish. you wish see stuff rubs off both ways for better and for worse and Solomon knows it so in Proverbs chapter 13 he gives us this wisdom 
And he says, do not be naive. Do not stick your head in the sand. The people you hang out with, it will impact your life. It will rub off. And he lays it out here. Proverbs 13, verse 20. He says, walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. I want to share with you a little story. I want to call it a saga, and it's a sad saga, a sad story. I've heard this story a hundred different times plus in a hundred different ways. I hear it after worship sometimes out in the crossing. Someone will stop me. I hear it when I'm out in the community. Well, someone will come up and they'll stop me. I even heard it this past week when I was in New Orleans with Dallas on, on one of her, her business trips. And I was in the hotel room most of the day writing and vision casting and studying and working on messages and thinking about the future for the church. But in the evening, I would go with her and the activities for her business. I even heard it there from a gentleman who didn't know who I was or what I did. And when he found out, he told me his version of this story. And the story kind of goes like this, but it, can be, it's, it comes in many different ways. Here's the heart of it. I'm out in the community, particularly around here, and someone will stop me and they'll say, hey, Pastor Rick, you remember me? I hate that. <laughs> Awkward. So uncomfortable. I'm trying. I think I do. You know, my mind's going. And, and Pastor, man, when the church was St. Matthew years ago, or when it was Pathway a couple years ago, you baptized me. I came to faith there. It was a great experience. You made sure I got involved in a serving group and I was serving in the church. I was a part of a small group and I was growing. It was just fantastic. Everything was going great. And then I had a different, this is where the story gets different. This story happens at this place, many different ways it comes. But in this scenario, I have a new job and I wanted to meet some new friends at my new job. And so on Friday nights, I started going out with some of the guys. And this Friday night, out with the guys turned into a party. And that party went into Friday night into early Saturday morning. And before long, Saturday morning turned into picking back up where we left off at Saturday night. And often Saturday night turned into early Sunday morning. And pastor, I'm not proud of it, but all of a sudden, we just kind of dropped out of church. You probably noticed we kind of disappeared. God was nowhere involved in our life. And since that time... I've made a mess of my life. Some things have happened, some things that I have allowed to happen, and I stopped you because I just want to, will you pray for me? And I say, of course. I will. And I do. But every time I hear some version of that story, and church, I've heard it hundreds of times in different ways with different plot lines throughout. Hundreds of people who got their life on track for Christ. Then hundreds of people who got their life off track. Because of who they started associating with and what they started doing with those people, that was the whole thing that got them off track. And I've heard that hundreds of times. And every time I hear it, a little piece of my heart kind of dies. Because I thought, you know what? They didn't understand. They didn't understand. They did not get it. What did they not get? On the screen, say it with me. They did not get it. Say it. Stuff rubs off. It does. Teenagers in the house, please listen, teenagers. 
This is why before you walk out the door and you're going out to explore the world on your wings, your parents say, be careful about who you hang out with. Be careful. This is why when you become a young adult and you're going off to college for the first time or you're going into the military or you're moving somewhere outside the home for the very first time to begin a new job or certification, a mom or a dad might put their hand upon your shoulder, look you in the eye and say, son, daughter, I love you. Make sure you surround yourself with good friends, with good people. Because they know that stuff rubs off. And if you're an adult, a parent in this house, and one day you come to me after worship and you say, Pastor, I need to give you some news, or you email me online or down at Treeworth and you share, I need to tell you I'm moving on. I've been transferred. I'm going to another city. We're going to another town, and we're going to be gone soon. Here's what you're going to hear from me. When you get there, the very first thing you do is you go and you find a great church, not a good church. You find a great church. A church where this book right here is taught, where it's opened and taught, where the leadership has some measure of integrity and the mission is outward, not inward. They're always looking outward. You find that kind of church and when you find that kind of church, pay attention to some of the events that they're hosting and go to these events just for the purpose of shaking a hand and getting to know some people. Get to know some people. And then find a place to serve. Get out of the chair. Get into some place of serving alongside of another human being to get to know them and they can get to know you. And get involved in a small group. A small group of people. And then after you do that, you begin to choose who are going to be your friends and choose wisely. Because stuff rubs off. And if you do that, when you move, you're going to be okay. I don't care where you move. What the town, what the country, what the culture. You will be okay. What Solomon says is true. Proverbs 13, 10. Walk with the wise and you'll grow wise. You will. But a companion of fools... Harm. Harm. Now over here in Proverbs chapter 6, Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, he points out these seven things that God hates. Character traits that are in another human being. That if you see these traits in another human being, these traits, the red lights and the warning, danger, 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 need to go off. I'm going to read them. Proverbs 6, beginning at verse 16. There are six things the Lord hates. Seven that are detestable to him, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. And he says, if you come across someone who has any or a combination of these traits, be on your guard. Pray for them. Invite them to come to worship with you. They might have an encounter with the reconciling love of God and totally turn their life upside down. But do not invite them into your inner circle. 
Do not walk through life with them. Do not let them influence and counsel you on how you organize your life schedule. The Apostle Paul puts it this way over in 1 Corinthians 15, 33. He says, bad company, what does it say? Corrupts good character. We're going to walk down this quickly. I'm going to walk down these seven, try to put them in English in a way that we can all understand about the sort of people that you want to be careful. You don't want to hang with. You do not want to hang with them. You want to know them. You want to invite them to worship with you. You want to pray for them. You're going to be in relationship, but you're not going to invite them into your inner circle, the people that you count on. You're just not going to do it because it rubs off. Here's the first one, haughty eyes. Verse 17, haughty eyes. This is an ancient way of saying someone who is arrogant, someone who is prideful, someone who looks down on other people if not outwardly with their words, in their spirit, in their body language, you can tell they look down on others. Here's some examples. I matter, I'm important, and you don't. You're not. I'm beautiful. You're average. I'm fit. You're kind of chunky. I'm educated. Eh, you must be ignorant. I'm sophisticated. Eh, you're just kind of plain. I'm a patriot. I voted for Trump. You're a liberal, commie, fascist who shouldn't even be living here. I'm a patriot. I didn't vote for Trump. You're a bigoted racist, woman hater. That's who you are. I'm married. You're single. I'm hetero. You're gay. I'm a professional. You just a stay-at-home mom. I'm spiritual. You're kind of secular. I'm young. You're 40. (laughs) I mean, this stuff, it rubs off, church. It rubs off. And the scripture is very clear again over in Proverbs chapter 16. He says, Pride comes before destruction, a haughty spirit before fall. Over in the book of James, it says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor and grace to the humble. That if you're a serious follower of Jesus Christ, you're trying to be humble. And sometimes I know some of you, you got to try. We are not better than anyone else because we are a Christian. We're not. We don't look down on anyone else. We're forgiven and we're blessed, but we're not better. And I'm just saying, it's hard to walk the path of humility when you surround yourself with boastful, arrogant people who think their stuff doesn't stink 
and they have all the right answers. They know everything. And their opinion is the only one that matters. It's hard to be humble because that stuff rubs off on you and me. He keeps going. A lying tongue, still in verse 17, a lying tongue. We'll just put it this way. Don't hang out with people who are liars. We talked about this a few weeks ago, so we're not going to spend much time on it. Don't need to linger. I'll just ask you this old joke. You've heard the joke before. How can you tell that a politician is lying? Their lips are moving. And yet I'm going to ask you to vote in the midterm elections and to do your best to discern for your own mind, not because of some party platform, but discern by your own mind what you think and can tell is true based on your understanding of the word and what is right for our country and our nation and our people and our society based on what you think is true, not somebody else. And just on this subject, this reminder, it's hard to be a truth teller if you're hanging out with someone who you can't tell if they're telling the truth or not because this lying thing rubs off. It will hurt you. It will hurt you. It will. Keep on. Hands that shed innocent blood. Now, Halloween's around the corner, and I think we all know we don't need to be hanging out with axe murderers. I don't think I need to say that, but that's not what that scripture means. Here's what it really means. Don't be hanging out with people who are mean-spirited. People that are just, you know what I'm talking, people that are just mean. They just take delight in kind of bringing harm to someone, to hurting somebody's feelings, to embarrassing someone, to physical harm, mental harm, emotional harm, spiritual harm. It says, don't hang there. Some of you know this story as well is that when we moved to Wichita Falls when I was in the eighth grade, my father being a United Methodist chaplain, we moved every couple of years. And so we find ourselves moving to Wichita Falls. I'm the new kid again. Eighth grade was a tough year. I got a chip on my shoulder. I'm not fitting in. New kid gets shoved. I shoved back. Shoves me again. I shoved back. I was tired of being bullied. I'd been bullied enough. So you want to fight? Yeah. After school, I'm there. So after school, just like a movie, it felt like the whole school crossed the street to go behind the Dairy Queen so nobody could get in trouble. <laughs> and so it's behind the Dairy Queen and everybody, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the rancor, the yelling, come on. And the, the new kid's going to get it. And the cool kid, yeah, the, this is our place. No new kids, no new kids. And somehow or another, I wound up on top of this guy. And I picked up a rock. I've shared this before. I picked up a rock in a fit of rage, and I slung that rock and hit him right up beside the head of the temple, and blood came spurting out, and there was nothing but silence. And in my spirit, I felt sick at my stomach. No joy, no satisfaction. I realized I could have killed the guy. I just felt, 
I'm going to kind of go off here a little bit, and this, I'm going to get away from this just for a second, and I want to share my heart. Uh, I know it's a risk, because we record this service right here. It's really a risk. And some of you are going to misconstrue what I'm saying. But I'm just going to share my heart for a moment. I don't do this very often, but I need to. I hate violence, especially where there's no remorse or no concern for the person on the other end that's the reception of the receiving of this harm, whether it's physical, whether it's mental, whether it's emotional, whether it's spiritual. I hate it. I admit, when I was in high school, I got drugged into some fights. I did. I allowed myself to get into some fights. I was bullied quite a bit. I was at a time where the school's integration and all sorts of stuff, it was, it was, it was pretty intense. My dad taught me how to box, how to defend myself. He taught me how to use equalizers when you were jumped by two or three people. And I did it. But I never took joy in the experience. When it was all over, I never was going, Dad, it never felt good to me. It ne- I don't know why it never did, but it, but it just never did. And I never took any satisfaction, no pride in it. When I was 10 and we lived in the Gatesville State School for Boys and we're hanging out with some of these, these kids, they, they somehow in the penitentiary, they got some knives and they caught a jackrabbit and they just started torturing the jackrabbit while it was alive. I had to walk away because I just, that mean, I just, when I was 20 years of age, I'm a youth pastor in Wichita Falls and one of our youth turned up missing. They found him a couple of days later in the field, not too far from his house, between his house and the school. He'd been slit his neck from ear to ear. He bled out in the field. Everybody was alarmed. The church was on the news. It was a big deal. Uh, The parents were asking, help us find, like they always do, right? Help us find. And it turns out the dad, who was so remorseful on camera, had accidentally, in a fit of anger, when his son would not obey him, picked up a piece of sheet metal and slung it at him, and it cut him just... And the thing is, after we found out who the actual killer was, the father didn't show that much remorse. It was more about if he would have done what he was told. And I've just noticed in this world, there's this, this, these folks with a spirit that does harm to other people and just really does it, almost enjoys it, almost kind of takes delight in it and with no remorse about it. I will tell you, I hate war. I hate war. At the age of 21, I, I went into the VA hospital at the Shepherd Air Force Base and I saw some people that were my age had come back from Vietnam and I saw legs off and eyes gouged out and their skin all burned and turned up upside down and, and the PTSD and the family impact and all that sort of stuff. There's nothing glorious about it. Nothing. I understand. Sometimes you got to defend yourself. I get that. But church, never take delight or bravado in the harm of what brings, because there's always this collateral damage that messes up so many lives. And people seem to have lost the compassion of caring that human beings' lives and families are at stake. I'm so glad for three branches of government so we can be wise in determining with caution. I hate what's going on in our country right now. I hate it. I 
the far right and the far left, just pushing buttons to, to hurt people and to go get them and to embarrass them and to shame them. Embar- physical harm threats. And we go, yeah, go get them, go get them. They deserve it. And church, that is so contrary to the heart of God. That's not who God is. It's not. It's not. And we get so caught up in it sometimes. It rubs off on us. God is a restorer. God is a rebuilder. God puts people together. God is a healer. That's God's heart. In Luke chapter 21, when Jesus is being arrested, he's in the garden and he knows it's coming and the soldiers come to arrest him and Peter takes out a sword and whacks off his ear. And I love this little verse, this little verse that's kind of hidden in scripture that people don't even pay attention to. Jesus said, no more of this. No more meanness for the sake of meanness. No more just bloodshed, bringing harm to other people for your own political purposes, for your own political ideology. No more, he said, than he bit down and picked up the ear and put it back on the guy that was going to arrest him and healed him, the very guy who might be whipping him an hour later and putting him on the cross. And that is the heart of God. And I cannot even come close, and you can't either, to getting close to having the heart of God if I'm surrounding myself with people, this bravado, go get them, lay it on them, sick them, make them pay sort of people. You can't do it because stuff like that rubs off. Okay, I feel better, you feel worse. (laughs) Got that off my chest. Thank you. We're better than this, church. We're better than this. We're better than some of the political stuff. We're better. We're better. Verse 18. We'll do both of these together. A heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, we're going to call these three and four. We're going to, for four and five, we're going to call these schemers and scammers. Schemers and scammers. Have you ever met someone who's, who's always wanting to get rich quick? They always got a scheme. They're trying to run by you to get rich. Hey, come here, partner. Let's get rich quick. You ever met a scammer? You know what a scammer is? A scammer is somebody who has a way of, of maybe it's not illegal, but unethically getting your money into their pocket, trying to scam you. Do you know in 2015, a report came out saying that in America, senior citizens scammed $36 billion out of their pocket, senior citizens. One out of every 18 senior citizens are scammed out of something, sold something, convinced they need something that they don't at a high price that is an unfair wage. Are you aware of that? And Solomon is saying schemers and scammers, they're everywhere. They are everywhere. And they rationalize and justify what they think is true. They think what they're doing is right. And if you hang around with them, you think you're legit, pretty soon you'll become a schemer and scammer yourself and you don't even know it because you rationalize and justify it away because that stuff rubs off, he says. He goes on right there, verse 19, a false witness who pours out lies. Those are slanderers. 
He's saying if you ever come across someone in your life who enjoys talking about other people, speaking publicly things about other people that shouldn't be spoken in public, and they kind of seem to enjoy doing it, you better run for the hills, baby. Get out of there. You don't want this person in your life. He has this, this, this Proverbs over in Proverbs uh, eleven thirteen. Eleven thirteen. We'll put it on the screen. A gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. You may not talk bad about anyone, but their reputation will rub off on you, guilt by association. That's the way gossip works. That's the way slander works. And you don't want to be connected with that. Let me tell you what confidentiality means, just in case, just in case. Just in case you don't understand, because many people don't understand confidentiality. If somebody tells you something and they say, this is in confidence, that means you don't speak it ever again, period, unless they give you permission. Period. No exceptions. And if you do, it's slander. It's gossip. I'm going to move on. Stuff rubs off. Be careful. The last one right there. And a person who stirs up conflict in the community. In other words, somebody who who is divisive. You don't want to hang around people who are divisive. I will tell you, it doesn't take very long to figure out the difference between someone who is a polarizer and a unifier, someone who's a bomb thrower and a bridge builder. It doesn't take long. I, I was in uh, with Dallas this week. I told you I'm standing in a circle just visiting with some guys. It's a very short, casual conversation out there in the hotel. And we're having a, just a night. I'm meeting them. They're meeting me, just kind of talking for a few minutes. And a guy comes into the conversation. I kind of seen the guy before. He has a drink in one hand and he has a plate in another hand. He comes into the conversation and all of a sudden he starts throwing out these hot political sports uh, politi- op- opinions, sports political opinions about the midterm elections. I mean, he has some opinions. Boom, boom. And all of a sudden the whole conversation changes. And everybody, gets, it's almost like they change their posture and get their hands like, like they're going to do a duel, you know, that sort of thing. And all of a sudden, I mean, just vitriol. I just kind of excused myself and kind of stepped back when I could and said, man, I don't want, I just, I just removed myself quietly. They didn't know I left. Romans 12, 18 puts it this way. If at all possible, as far as it depends upon you, be a peacemaker. Jesus said himself, summer on the mount, blessed are the peacemakers. I don't know about you. I'm committing my life to be a bridge builder. For some reason or another, I just believe that any people, two people, two groups of people who submitted themselves to the teachings of Jesus, there is nothing you can't overcome if both of you are submitting yourself to what this book teaches. Maybe that's naive. I call it the heart of God. That is possible. And it's easy to be a bomb thrower. Throw your opinion. 
It's hard to be someone who builds a bridge to unite instead of divide. And church, I'm just asking you, this nation, we need help. Will you help build bridges and unify and not divide? So, you hang around those people that rubs off. Now, I need to wrap this up real quickly here, and some of you are hoping I do it really quickly because you're watching your watches. And I'm going to do this quickly, but I need to coach some of you. I need to help some of you with the information you have just received. What do you do with this information you have just received? That stuff rubs off. Because some of you are growing immensely in your faith. And I want to challenge you right now to rethink your relational world. You've got to redefine some of your friendships. Because if you don't, you are never going to grow to the place that God wants you to go. So here's the first coaching I would give you. Number one there, I'm going to give them to you quickly. Here's the first one. Is that you're going to invite some people to join you on your spiritual journey. I want to invite some people. Hey, come along with me. Come with me on my journey. This is someone, maybe from this list, someone here that you know that's not someone, but you're going to invite them to come with you because that's what friends do. Hey, we're going to the movies. Want to come with us? Hey, we're going out to eat. Come with us. Hey, hey, we're going to go take a, a class on cooking. Come with us. Hey, we're going to the lake. Come with us. Hey, we're going to worship. Come with us. It's not that hard. We do it all the time. It's normal. That's what friends do. You invite people to go with you. Just do that. Well, pastor, what if they say no? Well, some of them probably will. And then you dial 1-800-HOLY-SPIRIT. Because you need some wisdom. Seriously. Because the conversation changes. And here's the next thing you're going to say. I'm helping you as coaching. It is time for you to humbly declare, okay, I got to move on. You may not want to go with me. I love you. You're my friend. But my faith's important to me. And you're holding me back. I feel like I'm allowing you to hold me back. I have got to move forward. I want you to go with me. I love you. You're important to me. But my faith is so important. My marriage is at stake. The future of my children is at stake. I've got to do this. I don't want to end our relationship, though. Please, just stay connected. And family or friends, they're going to be, no, I don't believe in that religious garbage. You go on. I'm not going. So what, how do you respond to that? Listen, I'm sorry you feel that way. I don't want to end our relationship. Because as a Christian, you just don't blow up friendships. Friendships matter. And you're called to love one another. And you don't love one another by just kind of pushing them aside. You say, listen, I don't. But I've got to go forward. I just got to. Now, I'm about to say something for some of you that you're not going to want to hear. This will be very painful for you to hear. But I'm going to say it anyway because this is the third level and this is the hard level. It's time for some of you to end some relationships. It is. And you know exactly who because that name has already popped into your head. You know. You know. You can pray for them, you can encourage them, you can invite them, but you, because Solomon was right. What did he say in Proverbs 13, 20? What did he say? He said, walk with the wise and grow wise, but a companion of fools, what happens? What's the last few words? Suffers harm. Some of you are suffering harm because your friends or people in your family are holding you back from growing. And they're not really your friend anymore because friends encourage you. 
friends are pulling for you. They don't hold you back to make themselves feel better, which is what they're doing. And though it's painful and though it's hard, in your mind, you've got to know this is a toxic relationship spiritually. And you've got to make some changes. I know it's difficult. You do it with love and grace and patience. And here's the last one. It's time for some of you to make some new friends. It just is. You just need some new friends. People have the same dreams and aspirations, same values, same belief systems. They don't have to look like you. They don't have to vote like you, okay? They don't even have to believe worship-wise the same as you. But you need some new friends. And I would just suggest to some of you, you're not going to find those friends at Hooters. You're not going to find those friends in the singles bar. You may find them at work. You might. Some biblical people who love God, they're right there at your job. They just want to go out to eat with somebody who will share common faith. Maybe some of you are going to get involved in the community somewhere on feeding kids or clothing the homeless or, or doing something. And you're going to meet some people there. Or some of you are going to meet them right here, right here. You know when you walk out these doors, if this is you, you need some new friends, just walk out to the Next Steps table and say, uh, we're kind of new to the area or I've not been involved in church and I don't know what to do next, but I need to meet some people. And they'll go, great. And they'll listen to your story and they will help you. But you need to know something. We are not match.com. <laughs> we're going to create opportunities, but you got to do the work of connecting and then choose your friends. Would you stand with me online, the true worth? I want to pray a blessing over you. All right, God, we have heard your word. We have heard your wisdom. And now we have the hard work of going out in the world to apply it. And some of us, God, we have some hard work to do. We got some discerning and some thinking to do. We got some choices to make. Some are painful. Some may be difficult, the conversations. So we pray, God, you continue to help us process what we have heard and what you have taught we pray you would give us the courage and the faith to act. And God, we pray that in this world where there's so much vitriol and so much division that you would use us to rub off onto others, you're reconciling, healing, restoring grace. Use us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Do me a favor, before you walk out the door, turn you around and meet somebody and say hello to somebody. You might make a friend. (laughs) 